We welcome you into episode 14 of the best podcast available, Training Camp Edition. We wind down the off-season and training camp, and we get one step closer to September 13th and a date in Baltimore with the Ravens. I'm Jason Gibbs, alongside Andrew Gribble and our George Clooney fill-in, Nathan Zagura. Uh, Z, appreciate a few minutes of your time here as we break down what has been a pretty crazy 2020 Cleveland Browns training camp. Gentlemen, uh, my first thing to both of you, and Gribble, we'll start with you, your first takeaway from what has been a most unusual uh, two and a half weeks. Yeah, it, it seems like it's kind of flown by, and it's, it's weird because it feels like the team has gotten in the practices that they needed to get in before you start playing preseason games. And that's that it, it feels like now you should start playing like a few more preseason games and then get to the season. So it, it, it has kind of flown by, but at the same time, it, 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 it maybe has dragged a bit because you don't have those games to mix in to, to the practices. And it, it's almost weird that they now have another week of practice to go before you start really preparing for Baltimore, but you got to make the most of them because there's a lot of decisions to make on this roster going from 80 to 53. Yeah, no doubt for me. I mean, look, on the negative side of things, you lose Grant Elton and nobody wants to see that. And that'll probably be the biggest single news item that comes out of the Browns training camp this year is that Grant's lost for the season. But on the other side, what really struck me, and I think it's probably part of it, we'll get to who stood out and, and you know, who really emerged, but our stars look like stars. Odell Beckham Jr. has looked spectacular. Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt, spectacular. Hooper very much looks like a two-time Pro Bowler. And on the defensive side, Miles Garrett, when he's been out there, has been an absolute force. Denzel Ward probably had the defensive highlight, that pick six in the goal line drill. So the Browns stars, and there are many of them. I think for the first time in a long time, say there are a lot of stars on this team, all really looked like stars. And I think that's something that you're going to count on. I think early in this NFL season, stars and talent are going to make a bigger difference than perhaps they have at any point because of just the limited time for everybody to gel and be, you know, at midseason form. Yeah, I, I think that you hit the nail on the head here because the, the teams that have the vets, maybe we, we talk so much about the system and, well, other teams have an advantage because they, they have the same system as, you know, they did last year before all of this pandemic started. But if you have the star power, you can overcome some of that. Uh, that. That's a big deal, I think. There's no doubt about it. And I think star power on both sides of the ball is important. But I'm even going to focus maybe a little bit more on the offense early in the season. Nobody's been tackling. And we're going to get the ball into the hands of Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt, who, if they were on separate teams, would both be considered probably, you know, top five, top six fantasy backs. They're in the same backfield with us. You're going to get the ball in the hands of Odell Beckham Jr., who clearly is healthy and is very elusive in the open field. Jarvis knows what to do with the ball after the catch. So I think for a team like us, you mentioned those stars, but I think especially guys who are carrying the football, some of these guys are tough to tackle under normal circumstances, I think it's going to be really hard. The bad news for the Browns is the team they line up against in week number one has a ton of guys that are also going to be very difficult to tackle in Lamar Jackson and Mark Ingram and Hollywood Brown and J.K. Dobbins, who they bring in. So maybe in that matchup, it's going to be strength on strength. But the majority of the time, we're going to have better people carrying and touching the football than the teams we play, especially earlier in the year once we get past that Ravens game. And I'll, I'll just jump in. And I think with the offense, especially, it seemed like the team turned a corner after last Tuesday's practice, yep. which was not good. 
not nope. not fun, not a, not a not a good watch. Uh, but then it's like they came back Thursday and just kind of refocused and like honed in on what they're getting, what they're going to be good at, and what they're going to focus on early in the season. And I I thought the scrimmage on Sunday, while you didn't maybe move the ball with like many big plays, I thought it was what you wanted to see from this offense. And again. We didn't get the full dose of what we expect in this offense. I just don't think we haven't seen this team run the ball as much as they're going to in the regular season. I just Grimble, think, I, I, think you, I, I think you hit it right on the head. The last four days of practice were by far head and shoulders better than anything we'd seen for the, the two and a half weeks. I mean, th- th- this team started to turn the corner, it felt like, uh, in those last four days. Yeah, there's no doubt. And I think the word is rhythm, right? I think we saw them start to get into a rhythm. And even on and Sunday, those first two drives from Case Keenum, it was good runs, it was quick hitting passing, and then play action off of that. And then when Baker really got into his rhythm, it was a couple Nick Chubb runs that got them going. And that opened everything up, the play action, the passing, the screen game, that nice screen to Kareem Hunt where you saw his patience to set up the block. So yeah, I would say the arrow for the offense certainly like this from those days. And I think it's a real testament, not only to the guys in that room, but to Kevin Stefanski as well, because that Thursday was not a normal practice. And then Friday you had to go inside. And so nothing really that whole week. And it's crazy to sit here and say, you know, we're just over a week removed, but from all of, you know, the false positives to Grant Delpit being lost for the season to that Tuesday, which was not a good practice, even though your top five DBs weren't participating in team drills to Thursday's, you know, abbreviated practice for the the social justice, you know, empowerment and, and talks and discussions. And then you had Friday in the bubble, you didn't have anything normal really over the course of that entire week. And yet this team on Sunday, I thought put together a very, very good product. And you felt like it was a ramping up and getting ready for two weeks for the regular season to start. Gribbs uh, on the defensive side of the football, um, a lot of injuries, no doubt, but uh, those that second line and that third line of defense really played pretty well here over the last week. Yeah. I thought the secondary especially has been pretty good. And I, I think that they've, they've dug deep and they've been faced with some uh, tough circumstances, but I think you're, I think especially this team is solid at the backup outside cornerback positions. I, I think that there's clearly you have Terrence Mitchell, you have Donovan Alumba, Robert Jackson. I think all those guys are certainly capable. The question mark is going to be what happens in the slot. And I, I think that, that you were maybe going to have Grant Delpit as a big nickel. You were going to have Kevin Johnson out there in the slot. And now you just have some questions on, on what is going to happen it, there if when Kevin Johnson can get back who steps up that that's going to be the major thing they have to address and it really for who's available getting those guys back and ready and seeing what you really have on defense going into week one I I think we've gotten good news about Mac Wilson but you're probably not expecting him back for week one same with Kevin Johnson and Greedy Williams is day-to-day Miles Garrett's day-to-day just want to see all those guys on the field just to get a full picture of what you really do have against the Ravens I think you're right about that especially in the slot because Kevin Johnson was playing great. And then MJ Stewart came in, the former right. second round pick of the Bucks, and he played great. And you haven't seen either of them. And now Tavier Thomas, who really has made his name in the NFL and, and earned his money in the NFL as a special teams ace, has been playing in there. And you mentioned on the outside, Money Mitch, Alumba, Denzel Ward on Browns Live singled out how good AJ Green's been, Robert Jackson. Too many. You almost have too many guys out there. And once you get Johnson and Stewart back, you feel very good about your depth in that interior portion. But right now, with them both out, it is a big question mark, and it's a question mark that, you know, hopefully Johnson seems to be moving around. You see him out there getting his mental reps, and he certainly, from afar, looks good, and it's great to see him back out there, but you still don't know with an internal injury if he'll be ready for week one. 
Stewart was a hamstring, so I'm, I'm hopeful they're just erring on the side of caution. You'll see him get back to work, you know, leading into that week. But I, I do agree that that was a big question mark because it was clear Grant Delphit was going to be a huge part of what we did on defense. And I think that's why so many people thought Logan Ryan might be a very natural fit. Slot corner can play some safety, can play some big safety near the line of scrimmage as well. Obviously, he signed with the Giants, so that's off the table. But you're thin there. You're thin on the interior, and you're thin at safety. You've got Sendejo, Joseph, and Redwine, and then you've got, got three undrafted free agents, one from last year in Hassel and two from this year in Benton and Moffitt. So I think there are some concerns everywhere except outside cornerback where you almost have too many guys. And you wonder if maybe do you try to cross-train one of those guys and give them some work at safety to, to keep them around and make the numbers work. Gribbs, what do you think about that? And is, is the safety the bigger concern or linebacker? I mean, I think long-term safety is probably your concern, a bigger one, because you, you are getting Mac Wilson back. You, you, you felt good about B.J. Goodson. You felt good about Sione Taki Taki. I think right now at, at safety, you are just thin, and you've got a couple guys in Sendejo and Joseph who, who are healthy now, but it's, it, you want to be able to get them, keep them on the field for all 16 games, and it's a tough position to do that at. And I think that it's going to be one of those things where I wonder if you, if you look to address it after roster cuts, but – Again, this is the new NFL. It's not that simple to just go get someone now uh, on waivers and, and expect them to have an impact. I mean, they've got to clear testing protocols. You're going on these players sight unseen in terms of what they did uh, with their team in training camp. So uh, expecting an impact player, even in the old NFL, it took until about week three. Remember when you claimed Brian Body Calhoun, it took like three weeks to get him on the field and you have him get a pick six. So it, it took a while back then, and now it's going to take even longer. So you've got to roll with what you got for now. And I, I think linebacker long-term, you're in a better spot. And I think more than ever, you're going to have to rely on your coaches' relationships and your front office's relationships around the NFL because you don't have preseason tape to do your own evaluations of what players who might get released around the league are doing. That doesn't exist anymore. And so I think that's going to – create a very interesting 53-man cut-down period and maybe less activity than normal, maybe more activity than normal. I don't know, but I think you're going to have to have a pretty good, you know, understanding. For example, Joe Woods, you imagine if somebody gets cut from San Francisco that he's worked with or he knows that's very different or somebody out of Minnesota that Howard would know is very different than in the past where you would just go off of somebody had great preseason tape that really caught your eye because there's none of it and there's no practice tape either. All right, so could – could the big cutdown – like, we know the big cutdown day is going to be Saturday. But could more of the action that normally happens on Sunday actually happen the Tuesday after week one? <laughs> could we see that based on you'll have footage of something? Those people would have to be released after week one would yeah. be the only way you could get them. So you're not going to get, you know, the guys that are on the practice – these expanded practice squads with 16 guys – I don't know, Gribbs, do you think – I think it's going to – there will be there will be less roster churn in general in the league as a result of not having the tape. Or if people who get cut but you loved their college tape, you don't know why they got cut. You know, you'll talk and do your due diligence with your back channels, but you're saying I'm willing to give a, a shot to this guy because I liked his tape. Yeah, it's, it's going to be tricky because then you throw in the other dynamic where teams basically get four keepers on their practice squad. And you don't want to like – miss your chance on claiming a guy that you might like and then all of a sudden a team keeps him on the practice squad and then you have no access to him you can't even exactly. sign him to your active roster i mean it's, it's it's a lot of things to weigh and then to even claim a guy you're giving up on a player you've seen for a month who was at least good enough to be on your initial 53 and 
I mean, and, and then their teams are going to be, I think the practice squad it comes into even more focus this year in terms of importance, knowing the system, be, guys being ready at a moment's notice to be on the active roster. I think, so I agree with you. I think it's going to be less churn and it's just a ton of variables to weigh. And quarterbacks are going to be fascinating because to your point, you could, if you can get them through the initial cut, a third quarterback you can put as a keeper on your practice squad, have them available anytime you would need them, but open up a, a 53 man spot for somebody else. And I think that's going to be a fascinating thing to watch this year because it's, you've never been able to protect people on your practice squad before. This is a whole new element to it. It's kind of like a fantasy football bench where like those are your guys, even though you're not playing them, which I think is, is kind of a unique concept. The NFL, I kind of like it for some developmental guys. I think that's pretty cool uh, that they get that opportunity. Yeah. I think a lot, to, a lot to watch here over the next 10 days or so as we get ready for kickoff of the 2020 season. Time now for our interview of the day. Andrew Gribble sitting down with Hollywood. Richard Higgins, have a watch and have a listen. All right, we're joined by Richard Higgins. And, and Richard, it, it's hard to believe this is your fifth training camp uh, with the Browns. I mean, what, what's it been like and, and how has this one been different? You know what? Um, and I'm blessed to be here um, throughout everything. Um, just going through the long journey, you know. Um, I call it a long journey just because I've been here through through everything. And I feel like I'm like one of the only three, you feel me? Um, I know J Joel Batonio has been here. Um, some other guys has been here with me, but that long journey of going and 16 and man, I don't even want to talk about it. <laughs> it's just been like a long ride and to still be here is it's a blessing, you know. Um, trying to trying to see change, and I believe we got everything we ever wanted to see change. And what do you like about this year's group, and and what you've gotten to know about some of your new teammates this year? I really feel like we're honed down on winning um, for the most part. And that, I mean, that's the only part that we want, you feel me? Um, and the details, you know, like coaches always telling us details, details, even if it's a little split, even if it's, you know, um, being in the right position where the quarterbacks know, know where you're going to be, you know, um, it should translate. Everything should translate over to, to the game. And I feel like it's just been different this season. I meant well this off season, um, just just going into it um, with a different mindset, knowing that we can't, we're not going to beat ourselves. It's I meant the other team is not going to beat us. We're going to beat ourselves, you know. So um, it, it's just it's just been different. I can't wait to wait to um, Ravens game. Kind of walk me through your off season and just kind of the the timeline of you signing with the team and then what you were able to do to kind of get yourself ready to go for kind of this unique training camp? It, you know what, it was like um, waiting to sign, waiting to sign. Am I going back? Am I going back? Finally, Andrew Barry hit me up. You know what, we're going to sign you back. Where do I sign up? You know, um, this is where I want to be. This is – um, where I want to see change. I started here, why not finish here? You know, is it, is the type of mindset that I have. So um, I'm glad to be here with my brothers. Um, wouldn't want to be no nowhere else. So here I am. 
And then for you personally, how much, how much better of a receiver do you feel like you are than maybe when you started here or maybe even looking back at last year, how, how much better do you feel like you are? Yeah, I feel like over the years, um, the different coaches that I've had, I've, I've put that into my, my game plan um, as far as coming off the ball, blocking, knowing that I can use my speed to an advantage, you know, um, me not being the fastest, but selling that I'm going fast, you know, like different things Al Saunders taught me, different things Coach Henry taught me, you know, um, just putting that into my game, man. I just, I just can't wait until I'm able to showcase it uh, into a national spotlight. Is this one of the more competitive receiver rooms you've been in? It seems like a lot of guys getting involved in and going for those spots in that in that rotation. Yeah, we're definitely we're definitely competitive. Um, Coach O'Shea is doing a hell of a job of moving us around, making sure we don't know just one position, making sure we know all positions. Um, him giving us more insight on um, what it takes to win a championship. You know, he's been there, he's done that. The confetti. I'm 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 waiting on it, man. I can't wait for it to come to to Cleveland, and we got all the pieces, like I've been saying. So it's just a matter of time. You're a guy that likes to to feed off the crowd and and the energy of the fans. I mean, how how do you go into this season knowing that you know it could be either limited fans or 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 no fans in some road trips, including your first game in Baltimore? Uh, how how do you feed off that energy and create that that energy on the field? You know, it's got to come from within. Um, also, it's got to be your teammates, your teammates showing you love, knowing that, um, you know, they're, they're right there with you no matter uh, win, lose, or draw. You you know, um, I just feel like it's got to come from within, knowing that you are you can be dominant at any time, knowing that you just made the first down. Like, get excited, you know, even though it, it don't have to be somebody else. It, it, it's got to come from within. So we'll see how it plays out. And now year three with Baker, you guys seem to have a lot of chemistry out there. What, how, how much at a, is it at even a higher level right now than it's ever been? It's high. It's high. It's definitely high. Um, we still doing a lot of installs, um, game plan wise, you know. So um, we're still trying to get some of the some of the rust off for right now. But other than that, um, it's still there. You know, Baker's my boy. Um, he wants he wants a big year out of everybody. Um, he wants it himself. You know, we we all count on him, so um, he got to be able to count on us as well. So we can't wait. And then this is the last one. How how humble do you think a lot of the players are from last season, and how is that carried over into into how you guys are approaching this season? Yeah, I know for me, um, it was it was humbling just because we we felt like we had the pieces. You know. Um, we felt like we had everything, but we just never put it together. Um, Coach Stefanski and his his whole his whole group has did a hell of a job this far, um, making sure we hone down and just be together. You know, be together as a team and um, just playing together and and doing everything right, trying to do everything right. And I felt like it's a we, we, we got a lot on our shoulder. We got a lot to prove, and we're going to prove it. Well, Rashard, thank you for joining us. I uh, really appreciate it, and, and good luck at today's practice. Thank you. Thank you to Hollywood for his time and Gribbs' uh, big takeaways from Hollywood, who's uh, in a stiff competition, uh, a, a lot of competition still 
in that wide receiver room with a few days left. Yeah, I, I, my takeaway was I thought Hollywood seemed as in a good as good of a place as I've ever seen him and, and talked to him in the last five years. And it's crazy when we brought up at the beginning of the interview, he's one of the most experienced players on the uh, on the entire team, one of the longest tenured Browns, and one of the is he the only remaining member from that 2016 draft class? I'm pretty sure he is. And and so it's it's just it's wild that all the things he's been through. And I think he 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 wears that chip on his shoulder like he he was part of 0 and 16. And he was part of one of one in fifteen, and I think there's a special, like him and Batonio and, and those guys. They had to they had to go through it, so I, I think he he seems to like where things are at, and he's, he's happy here right now. I think he's he should be happy, and he's a guy that you know I think we've seen as part of that ramp up you were mentioning, Gibby. I think a lot of that had to do with, in fact, with Baker Mayfield and Hollywood's chemistry. It was that last play of that bad Tuesday practice. It was Baker to Hollywood was the last play was a touchdown from 25 yards out. They kept that going on Thursday when they returned and you've just seen that chemistry grow. And I think Hollywood Higgins, when you talk about the Browns in three receiver sets, I don't think it's a lock that he's that third receiver because I think this offense typically wants that third guy to be someone who can take the top off the defense, which certainly would fit a Kaderil Hodge, a Donovan Peoples-Jones, a Damian Ratley a little bit better or even down to Taewon Taylor, Jojo Natson. But I do think if you're in a third and short or a third and, you know, six and you need to get that guy, you can get to the six, get open, it's Higgins. But also if there were to be an injury to either of your top two guys, he's the guy that you would step in in your two receiver sets. And so I think he retains incredible value, even though this isn't a team that's going to do a lot of 11 personnel. Hollywood's very, very valuable behind, you know, Odell and Jarvis in the sense that he, I think, would be immediately without question the next guy in if one of those two were to miss any time. Yeah, Gribble and I were talking about it. Gribble, last week we talked about it. I mean, the the number three and number four wide receivers are almost as important as the number one and number two because receivers get dinged up. And and Gribbs, you mentioned it. I mean, it's that is a high profile position to be in going into the season. Yeah, I mean, he, I just think that Hollywood though it just has that relationship with yep. Baker. I just think it's so clear. Uh, that, that there is just something there that when Baker's in trouble, he always just finds a way. Not the most gifted receiver uh, in terms of talent, speed, every, everything like that, but he just always finds a way, and that's the way he's been since college at Colorado State when he was piling up huge numbers. All right, time now to have a little fun. A uh, couple questions as we put training camp to bed and the ramp-up period to bed, and we play some real football coming up yes. in a couple weeks. Harrison Bryant voted by the media as uh, the most outstanding rookie in, in this training camp preseason period. Who would be your second rookie? Uh, who would be who would be number two? Gribble, we'll start with you. I'll go with Nick Harris. He's taken made every snap at, with the first team offense, and you haven't really had to notice him very much. A big responsibility for the fifth round pick, and you know he, he's just he's it's hard for an offensive lineman to impress you, but the fact that he's not standing out is a good thing. And I think that he, he's been had a lot on his plate and he's handled it well. I think that would have been my answer as well. But for the interest of this discussion, I'll go a different direction. I think Donovan Peoples-Jones has certainly flashed. And if you had said, you know, come to camp and say, oh yeah, that's our, that's our second round pick over there, Donovan Peoples-Jones. People say, yeah, I see that. I get it. Look at that guy. He looks great. And he's made some big plays. Uh, but I would actually say next in the order would be Jordan Elliott because I think he's gotten more opportunities with the ones and he's just consistently stood out when you watch him he just gets penetration whether it's as a pass rusher or as a disruptor in the run game Jordan Elliott has looked very impressive and he's a guy that coming into the season 
you probably didn't think would be counted on to do much as a rookie. You had, you know, obviously Sheldon and Larry, you brought in Andrew Billings, well, Billings opts out. And I think that created some opportunities and valuable reps for Elliot and as well as Elianku, who has played well, the veteran, but from a rookie standpoint for Elliot, and I think he's made the most of those. And it's pretty obvious whenever Chris Kiffin gets a chance to talk with us or with the media, that he is a big Jordan Elliott fan and thinks this kid can be a real force in the middle. And maybe he ends up being a, a very productive sub package pass rusher, even in his rookie year. All right, Gribbs. Should I be more concerned about JC Treader's injury at this point now, less than two weeks or miles Garrett's wrist injury? I mean, if I'm picking between the two, I'm not really concerned about either of them, but I guess Good. I'm a fan concerned with, with, JC at this point just because he hasn't practiced and you you wonder just for him from a physical standpoint you want JC if, if he thinks if, if you're in a position where you can probably play him week one you want him to feel physically good and physically ready I think that that would be the only concern with JC I think at this point there's still some time to get him back out there this is a guy who's been able to get on the field and play at a high level while not practicing a lot the last couple of years because of the injuries he's had to deal with so I, I if there's one person I'm confident that can get back uh, without practicing much, it's JC. And with Miles, this thing doesn't seem major at all. I'm not worried about it. You know, as I said on my secondary job earlier, uh, Browns Daily, that I've seen JC Treader take on and come to the sideline and be 10 feet away from him and have no doubt in my mind he was not going back into the game. And he went back into the game anyway and played at a high level. So I will never bet against JC Treader being on the field. I think what Nick Harris has done is create a situation where you can maybe be jc's best advocate for himself and say we do not need you to potentially endanger yourself for the future going out there too early or toughing it out because harris has done that good of a job so i'm not concerned about either on the jc side of it a because i know how good he is and i know he'll be at back there as soon as he can be also because of nick harris and what he's shown you and then for miles no i'm not not worried about that one at all all right, so our number one pick is Jedrick Wills. And we have not talked about Jedrick in terms of talking about rookies. He's looked good. He's had his rookie moments. He's had moments where he's flashed. This continues to be a learning process, Zagura. Uh, and I think it, he's going to have some ups and he's going to have some downs well into this regular season. No doubt. And I think, you know, talking to Joe Thomas about it, Joe said, look, I, I had a full rookie mini camp and a full OTAs. And I went through a full training camp where we practice a lot more back then than they do now. I went through four preseason games and I still felt like my head was spinning probably until about week four or five. And then by about week six, seven, I finally felt like I, I kind of knew what I was doing and could be a good player again. Well, Jedrick Wills hasn't had any of that. So it, what he's facing is incredibly difficult. Uh, I think that he has shown his ability. And I think you watched, there were a couple pass block sets that he had at First Energy Stadium where he was great. He also had one where Porter Gustin got around on him. But the play where they ran that toss out to the left and you just saw his athleticism as a big guy getting out there and lead block. And you said, man, you know that he can be special. I think they'll have to give him some help, you know, early in the year. But also once I think he gets to playing actual football again, you're going to stop thinking as much as you are kind of in these training camp situations. I think it's going to, you're going to go out there and try to handle the guy in front of you. And look, it's going to be tough. You talk week one, Judon, week two, Dunlap, week three, Chase Young, week four, Lawrence. I mean, these are, it is an, it is a tough opening quarter of the season for him. And it's not going to get much easier. We have a tough schedule for pass rushers, but I think that Jedrick Wills, the talent is there. They'll give him help. Having Batonio next to him will, be, will certainly help. And, and honestly, I think we're going to run the ball a lot in the early going, which we know he can run block. There's no doubt about that. 
Yeah, and I've seen enough from him to know that I think he's going to have his ups and downs. He's going to have his rookie moments, but I don't think he's going to be a liability, which is like no. what you need to be to that's survive at left tackle. I, I think that's why I think he's going to be fine. He's going to get better as it goes. And, you know, you mentioned about Joe Thomas's head spinning up until week seven. Joden wasn't switching positions either. Right. Like, this is like, that's another layer to this where uh, this is a pretty big change for him. So you're just going to have to. The, the Browns, uh, Stefanski and them, they're going to, they they know that they're going to have to grin and bear it through some moments here, but they're committed to them. And I, I think that's good to hear. Gribble, what or who has surprised you the most over these two and a half weeks? I mean, this is like a cop-out answer, but I mean, Harrison Bryant has been outstanding. I mean, like that's the, that's, and, and that's a really hard position to do it at. I mean, we, we've seen rookie tight ends come in here and be totally lost. I mean, in, in the first year and that's what's expected of them I mean it's it's one of the hardest positions to play as a rookie and you don't see these breakout rookie seasons from tight ends it's just so hard to do I mean look at TJ Hawkinson at the Lions last year he had that huge game week one and they just vanished for the rest of the year I mean it's, it's hard to do and I think just Harrison Bryant just looks like an NFL tight end right away and I I, I just didn't expect that I mean a fourth round pick uh just not a ton, huge amount of expectations to uh veterans in front of him but he somehow stood out and made me convinced he's going to have a significant role in this team this year yeah that tight end room just in general I think's been yeah. it's been great Austin Hooper's probably been from a veteran standpoint as good as anybody out there Bryant from a young player standpoint in terms of what your expectations were going into camp nobody exceeded him more than Bryant and Farrow's been good and Carlson's been good and then everybody who'd written off the chief uh, if they tuned in and, and watched on Sunday, we're like, oh, yeah, that's why he's really good. Running down the seam for 60, a nice catch, stiff arm to pick up 15. And you're like, yeah, this guy's a former first-round pick, too, with an unbelievable set of skills that can't be replicated by many tight ends in the league, period. And so that room, spectacular. For your question, though, about who surprised me the most, I'm going to go Sione Takitaki because I really thought coming into it, you know, last year he missed a lot of time in camp. We know how physical he is. I thought he would be kind of that Sam linebacker when we were in our base look, uh, kind of near the line of scrimmage, playing aggressively. But then when Mac went down, he really got thrust into that will roll, off the ball, in space, in coverage, and I didn't know how that would look. He's put in so much work this offseason. I think he's the most improved player on our roster from a year ago to where he is today because he looks so comfortable covering Kareem Hunt on angle routes, something that a year ago would have been an absolute layup for Kareem Hunt in the offense. And this year, he's right there, multiple pass breakups, and really just has kind of been thrust into a role, much like many of our DBs. And we talked about those corners earlier who have really stepped up and surprised. But I think Taki's just his improvement from year one to year two and his hard work, his dedication to make it happen has been awesome to see. Because he's, he's such a great guy. I mean, you, have, you want to root for him. And so I think it's been great to see him do that. All right, Zagura, we'll flip it to you to start off here. What concerns you the most going into this season or not? All right, maybe not what concerns you, but what does this team need to work on the most here in the next couple of weeks before we go to Baltimore? I think from a concern standpoint, it's just the injuries on the back end of the defense. And I know that we have a lot of, you know, confidence, certainly in the depth at the outside corner position. If Greedy's out and Money Mitch has to start, Money Mitch is a starting cornerback in the NFL. That's you, and you feel pretty good about that tandem. So that's not concerned to me right now. Johnson, MJ Stewart in the slot, losing Delpit. Uh, that's definitely that's been a concern. And and honestly, I really think our offense is trending the right way. And I think when we unleash it in the form that it's going to be utilized in the season, I think our offense is going to be really, really good. I think people who are thinking we're going to throw it 500, 600 times this year are probably in for a little disappointment. 
but I do think we are going to be very effective, very efficient, and explosive on offense. Gribble. Uh, yeah, I would just say my concern is the defense as a whole. I, I just wonder about the – just you've had so many injuries and moving a lot of guys around. Uh, I think the defensive line is just going to have to really carry you through the, through the first part of the season. And I just think that that week one matchup is just not the, not the best week one matchup for a defense that has a lot of different new pieces coming together. I, I just think it's going to be a unit – that no, even if it was at full strength, was going to be kind of finding its way early in the season, just because you have so many new players and in, in key spots. I, I just, I, I just think it's going to take some time for that group to gel. And I just, the the week one matchup is just so, it, it's just so tough. I mean, it's just, it's, it was hard for everyone in the NFL this year, and, and it's just, it's not the the best matchup week one. Yeah, I mean, the biggest question, yeah, the biggest question you have linebacker and safety, and no team in maybe NFL <laughs> history tests your linebackers and safeties like the Ravens. Yeah, I just hope that this week one, you're going to want to try to outscore Baltimore. I think that, and control the clock with your running game. We shall see. Final one Gribble, MVP of training camp. No pressure, go. Whew, that's a, that's a tough one. I mean, I know, I know Nathan's going to pick, so I'm not going to pick this guy. Uh, so I am going to go with, man, I'll, I'll go with Odell Beckham on this one. I, I think he was the most outstanding player. I don't know, but it's always tough. The, the, but he has just been the best player on the field. I think that that's, that, that is, he is the most talented player and he's just, you can, t his presence has been there in a way it just was not last year. And it, cause I think he was not fully healthy. I just think he's locked in, engaged and is clearly an elite receiver that is going to help this team win games this year. Yeah. I mean, Odell, he's a complete difference maker on the field. And I think his participation in team drills mirrors Baker's success in team drills very closely. And especially when he has Odell Jarvis and the person that I'm going to talk about, which is Austin Hooper. I think that that has been when the offense has been at its best. And I think you could certainly make the case for Chubb and Hunt because I think they're going to be a huge part of what we do. And they both look spectacular. I mean, Kareem Hunt, much like Odell is night and day from a year ago, I think so is Kareem Hunt. Full actual offseason, not any dealing with the injuries he was last year either. He's looked great. But Austin Hooper, I think, has been the game changer. Baker Mayfield at Oklahoma had two guys who were drafted in the first round as his wide receivers, and his leading cat target was his tight end. He likes tight ends. The middle of the field disappeared from this offense a year ago. Well, it is back, and it's clear the work they put in the offseason down in Austin uh, with Baker Mayfield and Austin Hooper has paid off. He was everywhere. He catches everything. He just looks like he's on his on his way to his third straight Pro Bowl. And I think people undersold the importance of what he was going to do. And I think even undersold maybe what his role was going to be in this offense because you looked at what the numbers that were put up in Minnesota. But Kyle Rudolph is a very good player, been in the league for a long time. He's not Austin Hooper. I mean, Austin Hooper looks like a legitimate difference maker for this team at tight end and I think is going to be a factor. And I think he was he was great. He and Odell – and Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt to me were four players on the offensive side, certainly head and shoulders above everybody else. And that's not a knock on Jarvis. Whenever he was out there was excellent, but Jarvis was kind of on that every other day program during this training camp period. So just a smaller body of work for him. All right, guys. Uh, onward to Baltimore we go. Uh, in terms of the best podcast available, we'll be back with you Friday after uh, Friday night's practice at First Energy Stadium. And then we will join you again on Saturday afternoon when the cuts are officially released by the club. 
want to thank Andrew Gribble. want to thank Nathan Zagura. Make sure you log on to clevelandbrowns.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Like and subscribe today to the best podcast available. Make sure you check us out on YouTube as well, youtube.com slash browns. For Jeff McDaniel as well, I'm Jason Gibbs. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening to the best podcast available.